Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today we're going to talk about animal welfare issues. Joining me in the studio today are Lori Rehnquist, who's the director of the Bloomington Animal Shelter, and Jane Irwin, who's the director of the Bartholomew County Humane Society. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Lori, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Jane, welcome for the first time. Thank you. Yes, I'm glad to be here. We're happy to have you. The uh, animal welfare program is usually a pretty popular one with us. Bloomington, I know, is a big animal community. I don't know about Columbus. I suppose it is, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think animals are pretty universal in people's compassion. Pretty universal. Yeah, so we usually get uh, lots of calls, and hopefully we'll get a lot of calls today. Um, as Lori knows, I work with the Monroe County Humane Association as an advisory board member. So this is an issue that's very important to me and very interesting to me. And all my little dogs and cats at home are happy that we're having this show today. So let's talk first about the um, sort of the overall issue. And Lori, we can start with you about the, the scope of the issue with uh, abandoned animals and strays and, and things that happen that your shelter has to deal with. Um, we're a municipal shelter. So we're a department of the city of Bloomington. We are the only shelter in the whole county. We handle about 5,000 animals a year. So the scope of the problem is huge. Um, about two-thirds of the animals that we take in are strays. So of the 5,000 animals that we take in, only about 500 are ever returned to their owners. So there is a, a still a large problem. We've made progress over the years, but Bloomington still has a stray animal responsible pet ownership problem that we're working to address. Mm-hmm. Jane, how about Columbus? Um, probably very similar percentages. Um, our numbers, of course, are a little smaller. Now, we do share responsibilities for the county with Columbus City Animal Control. They handle everything within the municipality of Columbus. We handle the rest of the county. Um, and we do, of course, have a serious stray dog problem. The other thing that we're seeing quite a bit um, between uh, individuals being deployed, um, we're getting a lot of owner surrenders, uh, because of deployment, and also we're getting a lot of uh, animals surrendered to us um, just in the last few months because of all the mortgage issues. People who are losing their homes and they're moving in with families or moving into other areas, smaller homes, then they just can't take their pets with them. So we see a lot of that. Yeah, I hadn't really considered that as the as the mortgage issue, as a mortgage issue. Um, Laura, are you seeing that here too? That and in combination with some of the, the GE mm-hmm. issue, we expect to see a result of that. We, we do get, and it's becoming more frequent, animals surrender to us for reasons of affordability, whether it's moving, lost their job, um, they have a, a financial need or the animal has a medical need that they can't afford. Mm-hmm. And gas prices. Gas prices, everything. right, everything. The economy in general affects, you yeah. know, when, when you have to look at everything you have to pay for, sometimes the animals are at the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not everybody's list, but I'd, everybody's. I'd probably go first <laughs> from our household. But um, So what are, I mean, what are the, some of the uh, the approaches that need to be taken? I mean, we, we I guess we should start with the big one, spay and neuter. What uh, What's going on now in Bloomington and Monroe County? Um, first and then in Columbus and Bartholomew County to talk to try to encourage more spaying and neutering. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of efforts going on. Of course, um, the Monroe County Humane Association is separate from the animal shelter and they offer low-cost um, vouchers for spay-neuter assistance and um, National Spay Day vouchers were just sold for $5 a piece. So folks can contact the Monroe County Humane Association at 333-6242 to request assistance for spay-neuter and every year we try to increase the number of vouchers and help more people. We have instituted a program in cooperation with PetSmart Charities and Humane Strategies called our Free to Good Home program. So we will take in uh, parent dogs and litters of puppies. We keep the puppies, send them on a transport or put them up for adoption, and we spay and neuter both parent dogs if they have them, microchip, frontline, vaccinate, the whole deal, and they get their mom and dad dogs back, but we keep the puppies, make sure they get spayed and neutered. So we're trying to take some steps to break kind of the cycle of, of overpopulation. Mm-hmm. And before I turn over to, to Jane, I mean, I'm always amazed, and I think I ask you this every time we're together in some mm-hmm. forum, there are some 
there's some basic mathematics that will tell you if there's an unaltered dog or an unaltered cat, how many offspring there, there will be. It's it's an amazing, almost mind-boggling number, but it's something like one female cat can produce 60,000 cats and kittens over a 7- to 10-year period. I forget the exact numbers, but it's, it's astronomical. Yeah. So if we could help folks and if folks would take the responsibility to spay and neuter all of their animals, we could kind of dig into that problem. Yeah. And Jane, do you know that number? Are you— know that. I think it's 63,000, but yeah, that's in the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's, it is a mind-boggling number. I mean, it's, it's not like having, you know, a dozen mm-hmm. offspring. It's 63,000 right, over a period because of because the multiple generations just keep on reproducing. Mm-hmm. And if, like Lori said, if the cycle isn't broken in dogs, it's not really that far behind. I think mm-hmm. it's 41,000, something like that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So what, what about this issue of spaying and neutering in Bartholomew County? Um, Bartholomew County Humane Society has had a spay assistance program for, gosh, like 45 years um, before we were even incorporated. So, And we can see a difference. We don't get the numbers of litters and females that are uh, pregnant in that we in dogs and use that we used to um, we still get a large number of animals in but we aren't getting these large groups but that doesn't mean there's not a need out there mm-hmm. um, we have spay neuter assistance we work with a uh, pets alive program here in bloomington um, we uh, will also help assist with animals. Because we are so much smaller physically, we can't take in the number of animals we would like to be able to, so we have a placement service. And we were trying to figure out, um, roughly in 2007, we think we placed about 300 animals that never came to the shelter. And we were able to place them either with rescue groups or in good homes, and then in turn we're able to help support them on whatever medical needs. Mm-hmm. And there are some owners out there that just don't think it's important to really want to spay near. But really in these times, most of them would like to. They want to do the right thing. Um, they just aren't financially able to. So we try to make it known that there are services, like again, like Lori was talking about, mm-hmm. some of the programs they have, and we have some similar programs in Bartholomew County. Right. So. Okay. Our phone numbers eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington or eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight if you're in Columbus or any place else outside of the, the Bloomington calling area. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We're talking with I'm talking with Bloomington Animal Shelter Director Lori Rehnquist and Bartholomew County Humane Society Director Jane Irwin. Uh, you've mentioned Pets Alive and and there are a lot of uh, organizations that sort of work together here in Bloomington. Animal, I've learned a lot about animal care and control and welfare issues uh, in the last half dozen years or so. Uh, For instance, as Lori said, um, the shelter is different from the Humane Association here. And Sarah Hayes is uh, probably home listening to us right now, let's hope. Probably at work listening Uh, Probably at work, yeah, right, at work uh, (laughs) listening to us right now. Um, Pets Alive is another organization that that started in Bloomington. Um, And Lori, maybe you can talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about what they do and who they are. Pets Alive has, has really evolved and is an important partner in our community. Many people probably know they started kind of to assist the shelter to make some progress toward a foster program and off-site adoption events. After the shelter kind of absorbed those programs and took them over, Pets Alive switched gears and opened a nonprofit, low-cost, high-volume spay-neuter clinic. And that's been running, I believe it's been about two years now. And that is their focus now. Um, As we all know, you can't adopt your way out of pet overpopulation. You've got to spay and neuter. And that's really become their mission. And we use them on a weekly basis to spay and neuter our shelter animals before they get adopted. Mm -hmm. And the the issue of of spaying and neutering the shelter animals before they're adopted, uh, I have to to mention that I adopted two cats recently. My wife and I Took two cats, which added to our our our, uh, our brood at home. But um, it was really interesting how sort of easy and at that time it was very low cost because it was half I think half price month. <laughs> but but the uh, you know the the kittens were spay were let's see they were little girls so they were spayed, spayed. Um, and they were microchipped and you know it was a very easy process mm-hmm. to do. So how many animals do you adopt out? It's about 1,800 a year. Okay. So, I mean, you can see this. 5,000 come in, 1,800 are adopted out. Mm-hmm. You get 
500 get mm-hmm. sent back to owners. So there still are a lot of animals that mm-hmm. we euthanized about yeah. 1,700 last year. So mm-hmm. we adopted out more than we euthanized. We transport another five to 600 to rescue groups and to other shelters across the country, mostly mm-hmm. in the Northeast and the Midwest area. Right. I think most people would uh, who are involved in animal welfare would probably favor a no-kill kind of policy. So why don't both of you talk a little bit about how difficult that is to attain? Well, we've been pursuing a no... I don't know if no-kill or low-kill. There are there are philosophical differences just on the terminology. Um, we do not euthanize any adoptable animal ever anymore. We've been doing this for several years, which is one of the reasons why we're tad overcrowded. But um, we euthanize only if um, it's a dangerous animal um, or if they are too sick or too injured for us to be able to salvage them and that it would not be any kindness to do so. Um, so it does make it, but it forces you to be more aggressive and more creative, not just in your kenneling, but also in your adoption events, um, the programs that you support. Um, we do uh, pediatric spay neuters now. We have a veterinarian that comes to the shelter and he does do pediatric spay neuters so we can do these animals at a younger age, so we have virtually 100% compliance now, which we did not have uh, before. We've always required spay-neuter of adopted animals, but sometimes it's hard to track those animals down if the, once they leave your custody, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and we include microchipping and all the vaccinations and warming and heartworm tests and feluc, and I think that's become pretty much an industry standard. So that helps us feel like we're doing our part, at least at that end, to stop and break that cycle. Mm-hmm. We are what's called an open admission shelter. And again, you kind of get into the terminology. But because we're oh, what that means is we don't turn any animal away, even if we're full. So it's hard to really be a no-kill when you're full and they keep coming in the door. We think we're close to achieving that if you separate out our populations with our dogs. As Jane said, unless they fail our temperament test, if we determine them to be not safe to be adopted or they have an, an injury or an illness that's expensive to treat or not humane to them. Or puts the shelter at risk. Puts the shelter at risk. So with our dogs, because of all the avenues we have, we euthanize generally for illness or aggression. Um, Unfortunately, with cats, there are still way too many healthy, friendly cats that are euthanized simply because we're out of space. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with the flow. We definitely have a kitten season, and it's getting ready to start, unfortunately, when we'll take in 20, 30, sometimes up to 40 cats in a single day. Well, you fill up your kennels pretty darn quick Mm -hmm. uh, when you're taking in that volume. And unless we start turning animals away, there's no way to avoid euthanasia. There's not enough adopters for that. We feel like since we're municipal, we're here to provide a service to the public. Part of that service is taking animals that need a place to go, whether we're full or not. Mm -hmm. All right. Our phone numbers again, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And we have a phone call, and it comes from Valerie, who's in Owen County. Valerie? Um, Yeah, let me just briefly describe a situation. About three years ago, I was going to adopt a dog um, and came to the Monroe County Shelter, and um, there was a newsletter thing that you published, and there was a dog in there, an older female dog. It was like, nobody wants this dog. You know, this is one of these, please adopt this dog. Nobody wants this dog. I was actually very interested in the dog, and I think I came in and visited a couple of times and filled out the application. And, you know, I, I... fully believe that you all are are uh, entitled to have any kinds of requirements that you want in terms of adoption but the problem was that nobody told me up front that one you only were adopting to homes where the dog was going to be an indoor pet and then you also asked for the name of my veterinarian which I put down and nobody told me why and later found out from my veterinarian that you guys call to find out if there are records of vaccinations and so forth which you're certainly entitled to do the problem being that my veterinarian didn't have the records of my vaccinations for my previous pets because I took them to the Owen County um, rabies clinic so my my point is and question is um, I don't felt I didn't feel that I was dealt with in an upfront manner in terms of number one 
you know, I don't want an indoor dog. I live out in the country, and I wasn't told at the outset that all your dogs go to indoor homes. And so I wasted my time and came back several times and visited this dog and got attached to this dog. And, you know, I wasn't told why you wanted my veterinarian's um, number. And I could have provided you with the records of vaccinations for previous animals, which my veterinarian didn't have. So I guess my point is, are you being a little bit more clear at the outset when people come in to adopt or is this still the situation where somebody can come in two or three times and only after spending considerable amount of time and energy with the application process then they're told you know well we only adopt dogs to indoor homes and you know it just left me with a very puzzled and negative uh Reaction. Yeah, Valerie, let's uh, I'll let Lori uh, answer this. This was three years ago, so she may. Well, have yeah, a, I just was know. mainly concerned if that communication sort of problem had been dealt with. We we continue to try to improve our adoption process, and and let me apologize if you feel like we wasted your time and weren't clear with you up front. That's certainly not not our intention. We want to make our adoption process very friendly. We do have a handout right on our front desk that that does explain these things that we reserve the right to contact your vet, and that we generally do not adopt out outside dogs. Now, if, if you weren't given one of those or you didn't pick one up at the front desk, um, we don't always get into all the requirements until someone does fill out an application. We're generally very busy. A lot of our adoption counseling is done by volunteers. So until an application is actually completed, unless there was a conversation with somebody about your particular circumstances, that may not have been discovered until an application was filled out. Um, But those are generally the types of things we go over once we have an application in hand and sit down and have a conversation. So again, I apologize and we'll reiterate to our front desk staff to be handing those out when people come in the door. Yeah, Valerie's uh, not on the line anymore, but we appreciate the call, Valerie. I know, you know, from my experience with the newspaper too, there can be all sorts of in individual situations that I wish wouldn't have happened, and I'm sure that's going to be the case Mm -hmm. with uh, Lori, too. So, you know, we have to try to to keep as best we can to what we are doing generally and how we're trying to serve everybody. So, But I do appreciate the call. We have another call, and it's Michael from Columbus. Michael? Hi. Yeah, I had had a question about uh, Bartholomew County's. Uh, I don't know if it would be the animal control or the shelter. I think the shelter, I guess. I live out in the county on 200 South, and we have, we've been there about 200 years, or 200 years, <laughs> we've, been there, we've been there about 10 years, and we have a neighbor a couple houses down who has, I mean, there must be 15 or 20 beagles, and I love all dogs and all beagles, but these guys start howling about probably four in the morning, and in, in the summertime it's particularly annoying you know you can't have your windows open or anything plus the guy never lets them out they're in this small cage that's about maybe three feet high and uh, when they start uh making a racket he goes out there and beats on the roof of the baseball bat and yells at him and cusses at him every now and then uh about once or twice a year um one of the beagles will get loose and come over to our house and you know, we'll notice that, you know, their nails haven't been trimmed. They stink really bad. And I was wondering if there's something, if there's, if there are any laws against having that many dogs or if we can do something about, you know, I really suspect some neglect over there. I haven't been on the property, but, you know, it's, uh, all of our neighbors have, that I know, have expressed concerns. And I can't imagine what it would be like to live next door to them just because of the noise. Jane, what, Jane, what do you think? Um, as far as the number of dogs, unfortunately, the state of Indiana has gotten rid of their dog tax licensing right. program. Yeah, I knew that. So right, so and I know there no may not be an law. issue there. Right. right, and and he's obviously apparently not at least consistently violating the uh, confinement law as far as they are confined to his property. However, if you do have some concerns about the conditions that they're being held in, um, whether or not they're getting proper food or they have a sanitary right. environment, um, food, water, and shelter is are the basics up to a point. Right. Um, they 
so I would call, but animal control is the entity that has county animal control is the entity that has um, the legal jurisdiction to enforce um, both the county and state ordinances. So I can give you that number if you want to contact them. They will investigate them. There's three different individuals that are animal control officers. Um, they may or may not be able to get to it the day you call, but they will investigate it and uh, see if there's a legitimacy to the complaint. And if so, then they'll pursue it uh, to whatever point they're allowed to by law. But that number is 372 1935. Three seven two one nine three five. Can Correct. I ask another question? Sure, go ahead, Michael. Um, what about the noise factor? You know, the constant barking, and you know, it's there's a they're also bordering. They're right on the edge of a of the golf course out there, old Quarry Ridge Golf Course. And I know for a fact that the that establishment over there hates the deal too, because if you're golfing on the fourth fairway, you can't even talk to your uh, you can't even talk to your golfing buddy is what I hear. I don't golf over there, but that's what the superintendent tells me. He said, you know, you can't even hear yourself think, let alone concentrate, because the, you know, the beagles are so bored. Any, a drop of rain and they all just, it sets them <laughs> off. I mean, they, you know, they'll, they'd like to howl or talk to anybody they can, you know. Yeah, there's a reason they call that the Beagle Bay, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, there, is there a noise issue, ordinance? There or? is, but that's one of the hardest in any law enforcement person, whether it's an animal control officer or police officer or sheriff's deputy, will tell you that's one of the hardest um, issues to enforce. But I would just mention that to them, and they will um, see if there's a way that they can address that also. Okay. All right, Michael. All right. Thanks a lot for hey, the call. Thanks so much. And enjoy right. Friday edition. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. I want to follow up before I go to the next call, but um, is there a city ordinance in terms of the num- in Columbus in terms of the numbers of dogs or cats people can have? Yes, they have um, they do have a little bit different ordinances um, because they have a different set of issues that they may or may not have to address by being a municipality. Right. Um, and uh, I think the city animal controls shelter um, even has a little bit different um, things that they require with their adoptions, just like we do. If you if you do live in town, we do require a fenced-in yard. Um, we prefer fenced-in yard. I think most every shelter would for adopting. Sometimes there's different circumstances. Right. But yeah, there are different things. And Bloomington mm-hmm. has an ordinance, right? Bloomington has an ordinance, and like in Columbus, city and county ordinances are different. Right. The city does have a limit of I believe it's up to six cats and up to four dogs without having to have a permit. And once you go beyond those numbers, there's some simple and relatively low-cost permit requirements, but you can have more than that. In the county, you can have up to 10 unaltered animals without a permit. If they're altered, fixed, spayed, or neutered, you can have as many as you want. But there are some more breeding concerns um, in the county, so there are a little bit different limits in the county. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have another phone call. Let's go to Karina from Bloomington. Karina? Hi. Um, Easter is coming up, and I'm hoping you folks might address uh, the idea of rabbits as Easter presents. That's on our list, and we'll do it right now. Lori? Oh, goody, goody. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Whoever's listening, buy your child a stuffed bunny. Please, 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 unless you've had rabbits before and you are willing to commit to the care that they need, please do not go out and buy a, a bunny for Easter. Rabbits are not as easy as people think they are. Some are more handleable and less handleable than others. They have special housing requirements, special food requirements. So they're not that simple, cute little pet to give to your small child. If you are bent on getting a rabbit, please visit your shelter. I don't know if the Columbus Shelter takes rabbits, but we have six or seven rabbits currently available for adoption. We spay and neuter them to help cut down on the behavior problems, Um, but I can't reiterate enough. Please really do your research if you're considering a rabbit. Jane? Lori's exactly right. I have house rabbits as pet. Well, I'm down to one. Um, She's 11 years old. 
and uh, also spayed. Um, and like Lori said, they require very, very specific nutrition requirements. There are things that some of the vets won't even tell you. For example, they're one of the few animals that can contract an upper respiratory infection from a human. So like Mike or I have a cold, the other guy has to do the feeding chores. So there are things like that. And also rabbits are not necessarily the gentle, docile pets that people think they are. They might not be in Monty Python, but <laughs> but they are. Um, some of them can be very aggressive. Different breeds have different levels of aggression. Um, they have very sharp claws, which need to be trimmed all the time, just like a dog's or a cat's. Actually, even more so, I've noticed with mine at least. And um, they can give a pretty nasty bite if they decide to. Those little incisors are sharp for a reason. And they know how to use them if they want to. So if you are just really bent on getting a rabbit, do a lot of research and talk to somebody who has them as a house pet, not a meat raiser. Right. All right. Our uh, phone numbers again, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348. Outside of the Bloomington calling area, and you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We're talking with uh, Bloomington Animal Shelter Director Lori Rehnquist and Bartholomew Animal or C- County Bartholomew County Humane Society Director Jane, <laughs> Jane Irwin. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Brian Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. WFIU thanks all who support public radio. Next time you're visiting one of our business supporters, please let them know that you appreciate their support of WFIU. Perhaps you're involved in decision-making at a business or profession in the WFIU listening area. If you'd like your message to reach WFIU listeners, you can find out more about benefits of underwriting with a call to 1-800-662-3311 or a visit to our website at WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with uh, Lori Rehnquist, who's from the Bloomington Animal Shelter, and Jane Irwin with the Bartholomew County Humane Society. If you have questions or comments about animal care, control, welfare issues, just call us, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Well, I wanted to uh, talk about a program that I know is is going on. It's called Zutu. And uh, we had a, a, we've written about it in the newspaper in Bloomington, and I know a lot of people are familiar with it, but I'm sure a lot more people are not. So, Lori, why don't you start talking mm-hmm. about it, and then, Jane, you're, you can chime in. Zutu is a national contest. Um, the gentleman who was the CEO of the Meow Mix um, cat food company left the company and started this foundation and is offering a shelter makeover contest. What he's done is kind of set up a website that seems to be similar to MySpace. People log in. They create a, a space for themselves and choose a shelter to be their designee, and then they earn points. And you earn points by reviewing products, posting pictures of your pets, commenting on news articles, referring friends. And what will happen with the contest, the top 20 shelters will receive some award. The top prize wins a million-dollar shelter makeover. I believe it's one other shelter receives 10000 and then the next 18 shelters receive $5,000 each. So we have been busily trying to earn points. We are currently ranked about number 37. Um, We would sure like to be number one, but it would be nice just to be in the top 20. The shelter could really use another $5,000. There are areas in the shelter that are very old and would benefit from a little bit of renovation. So we would really encourage the public to get on. It's zoo2.com, Z-O-O-T-O-O.com. It's quick. It's easy. It's free. um, It would really help the community and help the shelter. Now, it seems to me like we've slipped a little bit, the the local shelter, because I, I signed up, and I think at that time – 
uh, the Bloomington shelter was maybe 29th or something We like were as high as 24 at one point, which was very exciting. But I think the shelter ends March 31st. So every shelter across the country is making a final push. The top shelter has something like a million and a half or more points. Right. It's a ridiculous amount of points. We have about 240,000 points. Um, but we're not that far out of the top 20. I think when I checked, the 20th shelter had around 400,000 points. So it's doable if everyone in the community would just take a few minutes, go to that website. Just by creating your space, you earn 100 mm-hmm. points. If, ev- if everybody did nothing but go to Zutu.com, create a page for yourself, you earn us 100 points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also quite a bit of fun. Um, we get a lot of feedback, especially from our youth volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, they really enjoy it, and now they've kind of challenged each other. And we're now we're not as high as Bloomington. Um, by any means, and I actually did intend to find our ranking this morning, and I just didn't have time to do so. But um, there are also other prizes. Like Lori said, the first 20 shelters um, will get cash rewards, and then there are going to be other rewards, so um, of uh, food prizes and I think medical, um, uh, like advantage and things like that, so things that have been donated. So, um, yeah, nobody's really out of the pool yet. Mm -hmm. Well, let's forget the million dollars, but what would each of you do with uh, five thousand dollars, Jane? We have um, our shelter was built. The shelter that we're in right now, what we moved into it in March of '82, so 26 years ago this month, um, actually four days ago, um, and so you can imagine. And we've added and we've changed things, but it's a building that gets constant wear and tear, which is why we're in the process or in the middle of a capital campaign to build a new building. Um, so our biggest thing is our, right now are we, ha- we have quite a bit of kenneling that needs to be refurbished. We have had some of it redone. Um, our fencing for our exercise yards, um, uh, we have a lot of issues there. They're patched with panels and c- cinder blocks and things, anything we can find to make them secure but still safe for all of our dogs that use those yards because we try to do a lot of environment enrichment. And so every dog gets a a run at least twice out in the yard and hopefully walked once or twice during the day. So Mm -hmm. that, again, is a lot of wear and tear on equipment. You know, it's used 24-7, so... We're, I could just say ditto. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have some, some very old areas of the building. Uh, with, with that amount of money, we could probably, we have some flooring issues, cracking and sealing and chipping that we would probably invest that money in resealing or repairing some of our flooring that's crumbling a little bit. We have some fencing issues too. We could fence some further areas to allow for more dog walking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about funding for a minute. Um, and Jane, I'll go to you first. So, since you're not a municipal shelter, how are you funded? Um, private donations, um, the generosity of people's house, we, hearts. We do have um, a contractual fee from Bartholomew County because they do house their animals at our shelter. And above that, it's all private donation. Of course, any capital expenses, any building, any equipment, um, the contractual money is never used for that because it is tax dollars. So um, we're in the process. The building itself will be... Um, I think about $1.4 million. Um, and then, of course, you have to fit it, uh, fit it out. So we are looking at a lot of dollars, but the community is, it's a great community. Um, the whole region, you know, and I'm not referring just to Bartholomew County, you know, this whole region, I'm sure Lori can say the same thing. It's It's got a lot of really good people that are willing to support a cause, not just our causes, but any cause, mm-hmm. and they really come forward. So we have faith that we'll get there. Of course, we're antsy. We want to be in there now. You know, we needed it three years ago, but yeah. but we'll get there. Um, and so what's your phone number in case somebody wants to uh, talk to you more about the capital campaign? It is, uh, course, 812, but it's 372-6063. Okay. And we'll Laura, be, I'll be go glad. Ahead. I was just going to say we'll be go glad ahead. to answer any questions. We have brick campaigns. We have all different kinds of ways okay. that people can support us. Great. And Lori, talk about your funding. And also, mm-hmm. if you would, talk about the relationship with the Humane Association. Mm-hmm. Since we are municipal, we're a part of the city of Bloomington government. So my budget is 
pretty much entirely funded by the city um, through the property tax dollars. I go through the city budget process just like the street department and the police department. So that that's largely how I'm funded. We are set up to accept donations um, and people can make donations directly to the shelter and we generally use those to buy extra supplies that are above and beyond our budget. Um, we do have a very unique relationship, I think, with the Monroe County Humane Association. We're housed in the same building, um, but they do not really have anything to do with running the shelter. Their focus is public education, legislation, lobbying, responsible pet ownership, spay-neuter assistance, um, and they do some fundraising on our behalf. Again, for things that are a little bit above and beyond what the city budget and what the shelter can afford. So when there's a piece of equipment that we need or we have an animal with special medical needs, there's a fund that the Humane Association has on our behalf that we can tap into. Mm-hmm. And they, the Humane Association has a fundraising event coming up mm-hmm. that we're both familiar with. That's right. So do you want to talk about that? It's, uh, the event itself is called Happily Ever After. After, and it's their second annual auction event. Um, it's coming up on March 28th, and I believe tickets are still available if you go to MonroeHumane.org. But I went last year. It was their first auction event. It was a lot of fun. There's both a silent and a live auction. They have some great prizes um, and not prizes, but items that you can bid on um, and some more new and exciting items this year. So I would you know, encourage those who support animal welfare to attend the event. The the fundraising helps the Humane Association, but there's also a portion of the auction that will raise money for the shelter as well. Mm-hmm. All right. And you have an event coming up? We do. We're, we're planning a, an event for the end of March. It'll be on Sunday, March 30th from 1 to 4. American Humane Association, the national organization, has a, a rig called the Rescue Rig, and it's the vehicle that they use when they respond to disasters like Katrina. And from I think it's 82 feet long. It can house 12 people. It's a pretty amazing vehicle. They're bringing it here to Bloomington that Sunday afternoon. They're going to park it at the shelter. So we've kind of built an event around that and, and emergency disaster preparedness event um, for people to take a look at their pet's needs, kind of be prepared if we're kind of in tornado country. If there were a disaster, are you ready to leave with your pet? Um, We're offering microchipping, spay-neuter vouchers, dog washing, and the shelter will be open that afternoon for adoptions, which we're not normally open on Sundays from 1 to 4, Sunday, March 30th. Okay. Uh, Our phone numbers again, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. A lot of other issues we can talk about. We only have about 15 minutes to go. Uh, One I wanted to get into is volunteers because I know with both of your shelters, you can't possibly have enough paid staff to do all that needs to be done in a 24-7 kind of situation. So talk about your reliance on volunteers and how one – things that volunteers do and how one might become a volunteer. Jane? Um, We do rely heavily on our volunteers, our youth volunteers, our adult volunteers, both. Um, They do a little bit of everything. They help at special events. We have volunteers that um, never step foot on the property. We had one lady who, unfortunately, she's passed away now, but she was bedbound for the last 11 years of her life. Um, But she dearly loved animals, and she wanted to help. And so we figured a way, but she was very good at the phone. And so she did a lot of our adoption callbacks um, for several years. And uh, we miss her. I mean, you know, she was, she was quite an asset. Um, we also have a lot of our youth volunteers and we have several people who come out and they do nothing more than walk the dogs and interact with them because we take in all the county strays. We do get a relatively significant number of animals that have either had no socialization or have been poorly socialized. They have no clue what a leash is, that sort of thing. And that one-on-one interaction can make the difference between life and death for that animal. Um, We have a dog in the shelter right now that she came in, she was a basket case, and she's only been there two weeks, and now she walks on a lead. She's looking, she's kind of figuring out sit and stay, and she looks forward to the people come, and she knows what that leash is, and she knows when it's her turn. She's ready to go. Mm -hmm. So they make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. Same, again, same for us. We have about 80 to 100 volunteers kind of registered with us and that have gone through orientation. We probably have closer to 40 that are very active, come in on a weekly basis, but our volunteers help us uh, clean kennels, take care of the cats, walk dogs, help with office work, 
a um, little bit of everything. One of the special needs that we have that we're trying to recruit more volunteers for is our adoption counselors. Um, because we're very busy and we have a lot of public coming in to look, we don't have the staff to give a lot of one-on-one customer service. So we have a group of volunteers that are trained to greet adoption customers, help them get animals, dogs and cats, in and out of the kennel, go over the adoption application, ask questions, answer their questions. Um, and so it's someone who has both good animal skills and good people skills, and we'd love to have some more volunteers in that area. Okay. That's always a plus, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, our phone number is again 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And I just got an email, and it's a very provocative question, so we'll see how you <laughs> both uh, address this one. It says, society dedicates so many resources toward the protection and comfort of select mammal mammalian species like dogs and cats, while other intelligent mammals like hogs are bred to be killed and eaten. While tragic, the deaths suffered by dogs and cats in shelters is vastly more gentle than those that occur in slaughterhouses. To, do you perceive an irrational discrepancy here? How do you reconcile these issues? Wow. That is a provocative question. That is question. a provocative mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot, of, a lot of efforts at the national level and even somewhat at the state level to look at uh, other mammals and what's happening. Indiana's been looking at the, the horrible practice of coyote, mm-hmm. uh, what's happening to coyotes, trapping them live and sending them to other states to be used as, as dog training bait. Um, it's certainly an important issue, and I think we can lend our support to those organizations. Some of the national organizations are lobbying for farm animals and how they're treated when they go to slaughter. Um, we, we each have our niche, but we can each support each other. And I guess I see, I mean, our niche is the dogs and cats in our community, but we can certainly support national efforts to make humane care for all animals possible. Mm-hmm. Jane? There's definite legitimacy to to your email, and the person is is right. There are so many questions. I think partly it's not only um, our niche is really companion animals. Part of it is because we can't Frankly, we can't save everybody. We can't save everybody or everything, and you have to focus on the ones that you can reach and you can touch. If you, I had an old, old friend, um, an old vet that said, if you bleed for every animal, whether you can touch that animal or not, you won't help anybody. And as I've been doing this for 29 years, and it's, it becomes truer every year. You can't ignore them, and you can't forget them. You know, not being a direct part of that doesn't mean you've forgotten that there's a need there. Mm-hmm. But like Lori said, you know, supporting each other, just like so many shelters and so many organizations, we work with the city shelter, we work with other rescue groups in our area. Um, we do have to work together because compassion doesn't really have any species bond bound, boundaries. And that's what we need to remember. Yeah, my experience has been that with the people I've met in animal welfare issues, that there's a much higher percentage of vegetarians in that mm-hmm. group of people. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. Mm-hmm. All right, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. Um, what animals do you deal with? Dogs, cats? I know Lori in Monroe County, there are other animals mm-hmm. that come into the shelter. Jane, let's start with you. Um, as far as at the shelter, we house only dogs and cats because we don't have the facility. Now, the new shelter will have a specific area for what's called pocket pets, rabbits, gerbils, hamsters, mice, um, even we'll have an area for some birds. Um, We do work in conjunction with the Indiana Hooved Animal Association. I've rescued a lot of horses partly because I have horses and I have a horse trailer, so you kind of get volunteered quickly. Um, So we do work with other animals, but we work with um, rescue groups that are set up. We have several foster homes. We have um, three or four foster homes that are qualified to handle reptiles, for example, reptiles and amphibians. So if we do have somebody that calls us about a need for an animal like that, we can, through a network of other agencies, we can usually get them some help, even if it's not at our physical building. Mm-hmm. Lori? We take in just about anything. If it's if it's not illegal, if it's an exotic, um, well, then we do have to refer. But we do take all the pocket pals that Jane mentioned. We do take iguanas and snakes. Um, we've had horses at the shelter. Usually we end up with more of the hooved or the livestock because of a neglect case and we're going to court hearings. Eventually, sometimes those animals get returned to their owners. Sometimes they get adopted out. 
So we don't have those very often. We would prefer not to, um, but we do have some areas. We've had goats. We've had horses. We've had pot-bellied pigs, um, ducks, chickens. We just make room and make a space for them. Yeah. Well, I know if you walk in. We'd rather not have them. (laughs) If you walk into the the lobby at the shelter now, I mean, there are lots and lots of cats, but you also see the rabbits Mm -hmm. who are are there so mm-hmm. we have a selection of rats currently we got some new guinea pigs today so a <laughs> little bit of everything a little bit of everything mm-hmm. um i wanted to talk about fostering foster programs mm-hmm. do both of you have operate foster programs yes mm-hmm. yeah. and mm-hmm. how, how, yes, do the, do. how do those work they're key to what we're able to do and they've been key in us reducing our euthanasia over the years um our program is particularly successful with kittens when we get into kitten season. We don't adopt kittens out and, or puppies either until they're eight weeks old and until they're spayed and neutered. Well, to get to that point, they have to weigh two pounds. So we get plenty of litters in that are don't meet those requirements and would previously have been euthanized. Now we send them to a foster home. They stay healthy. They come back to the shelter when they're big enough, get spayed and neutered, and go up for adoption. So we probably foster. There's At any given time, there's 100 or more animals in foster. Um, it's been a very successful program for us, and we're, we've gotten very dependent on our foster parents. Yeah, and for those who might not know, you just you would send animals to somebody who says, I'll, I'll take these until mm-hmm. they're old enough to mm-hmm. do something else or until they're adopted out. Right. right. There's information on our website. There is an application because we do want to make sure just as if you're adopting that your landlord's going to allow you to have these extra animals in your home and that any animals you currently have are up to date on shots so we don't have to worry about disease transmission. We really work with our fosters to foster what they want to foster and for how long they want to foster. So if you only want to foster for a week while we're in a space crunch, that's great. If you can foster newborn kittens for eight weeks until they're old enough, that's great too. We'll do whatever our foster parents can do. Okay. Jane? Um, Our foster program is very similar. Um, And again, we depend on it. Um, Mostly we use, it sounds very similarly, um, we use our foster program rather than just surplus animals, um, at-risk animals, what we consider at-risk animals. Obviously, the youngsters that Lori's already mentioned, um, even if you have the facility to save them, they are at such high risk. They'll contract anything um, that's going through the shelter and and you could possibly lose them. Also, we use um, our foster homes that are qualified to do so for behavior, animals with behavior issues, not aggression, but um, some of the animals that we've already spoken about, animals that have not been socialized, Mm -hmm. um, they just need to know that not every human is going to be harmful. Yeah. Now, I've always been curious about uh, the fact that some areas of of the country seem to not have the kind of overpopulation issues that we have in Indiana. I, I say this based on the fact that there are puppy trains that will go out of here with with puppies to someplace else who doesn't have an overpopulation problem. Can you help me reconcile that? Well, um, we both participate with a program called the Rescue Wagon. It's another PetSmart Charities program, and it has been – just a boon. I, could, I couldn't even, we don't have enough time to sing their praises um, for that whole network of people. Um, but mostly what they do is they take animals from source shelters, which would be ourselves, and they take them to receiving shelters. And these shelters are located in areas that have had um, more dependable and more aggressive uh, animal control laws for longer, places like Milwaukee, uh, Capital City in Michigan, um, uh, different areas, usually larger municipalities. Um, There's several states involved in the Midwest organization, which is the first one. There's now four rescue wagons. There's an East Coast, of course, the Midwest. Um, California. Uh, the California one, and then what do they call the the Colorado? It's a just Colorado, the Colorado um, uh, rescue wagon, and it's a wonderful program. We also participate in a, a second transport program to the New England area called the Canine Express, and they transport once a month. It's really quite an amazing operation, transferring from about eight to ten Indiana shelters and humane societies going to the New England area to three or four different states, Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, um, to eight to ten shelters up in that area. And I think, uh, again, aggressive spay-neuter um, efforts in those communities statewide, spay-neuter funding and assistance. And I think somewhat the the weather, the breeding seasons, that plays into it a little bit as well. Um, yeah, it's always been interesting because it seems like if somebody is sort of 
um, has an underpopulation, mm-hmm. then they must be doing something, something. that we could – you know that, that this area could, and in some on. cases, it's not just less population. They ha- they have overpopulation problems also, um, but they have tend to have a reduced population of what would be considered adoptable animals. For example, um, we can't send pit bulls or rottweilers, uh-huh. not because they won't accept them or they won't adopt them, but they have plenty of their own, and they and they do mm-hmm. serve their own areas first. They're not going to put animals down there just to import other animals to make I it see. look good on paper. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We only have about three minutes to go, and I want to give you both the opportunity to talk about a, a couple of other things. One is, you know, the biggest um, maybe mis, misperception by the public about what you do, and about you know what what problems they can bring to you. And the second thing is, what's your biggest need? And Lori, let's just start with you. Um, I I think we've over the years started to dispel the you're just going to kill them. Mm-hmm. The, the, perception that people had of our shelter and we're starting to see people bringing us animals from the region really because they're impressed with our shelter. So I guess that's something we continue to work on and try to assure the public we don't have, you know, if they're here for three days, they're going to be euthanized. We don't do that. We really evaluate each animal as an individual, determine if they're adoptable and do our best to get them adopted. Mm -hmm. Um, Our biggest need... uh, I'd love to say our facility needs and our volunteer needs, but really in the great big picture of things is for people to be responsible and spay and neuter their pets so we don't have to solve that problem. If everybody would spay and neuter, then we wouldn't have boxes of kittens and puppies. We, I think this week alone, have taken in over 20 puppies just this week, large litters, pregnant moms. Just please spay and neuter your pets. Yeah, I've always felt like it's not an animal problem. It's a it's a people, people problem, problem mm-hmm. to try to deal with. Jane? I think, again, I would have to say ditto like Lori did a, a bit ago. Um, uh, we can always say money. We can always say more hands. Um, but just help getting the word out. And again, I think people gradually are learning that um, we – the time for shelters to be warehouses is past, and that's part of our goal. We are no longer a warehouse. We want to be a resource center mm-hmm. for animal problems. We get a lot of calls for people that have problem from people that have problems, and we may not know the answer, but we will try to find somebody who does know the answer. We have no problems admitting we don't know and referring them to somebody that we think might know an answer to problems. So call us if we can't help you. We'll try to figure out somebody who can. All right. And the last thing in the, in the last minute, um, contact information if people have uh, want to get a hold of you. Um, they can contact us. At, our phone number is 372-6063. We only have one line most of the time. Leave a message. We do our best to get back to you. Or our email address is mjirwin at seidata dot com. Website? Uh, we do have a website, just BartholomewHumane.com. Okay. Lori? And our phone number is 349-3492. As Jane said, we do have two secretaries answering phones, but we get about 400 phone calls a day. Please leave a message, and we will call you back. We check it throughout the day. Um, our website is www.bloomington.in.gov. That's the city's website, and you can click on the animal shelter portion of that page. All right. And we are out of time. I want to thank both of you for being here today. Lori Rehnquist, thank you for thank coming you back. Thank you very and, much. And Jane Irwin, I'm sure you will come back. Well, right? thank you. I I'd hope be so glad anyway. To. All right. For uh, let's see, who do we have today? We have Adam Ragusia, who's been our producer today, and Mike Pashkash is here, even though it's spring break. As our engineer, I'm Bob Zalsberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.